Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll Podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'm joined by Brad Canning. We're going to hit on Alabama baseball, Avery Johnson, and the start to the season for the basketball program. They're early signing class, but first, Brad, it's the week we all circled on the schedule to start football season. I'm telling you what, no <laughs> one's asses get more chapped than Cupcake Week and SEC. Those national media guys are just pissed off this week. Like you said, as far as the scheduling goes, Nick Saban advocates for a non-game conference schedule. I feel like that gets lost in the shuffle, and until the league gives him that ninth game, this is smart scheduling. I'm all for nine games. I mean, we've talked about it before. You know, I, I'm okay with getting rid of the locked-in cross-division rivalry games or finding a way still to make Tennessee happen every year. But I, it'd be nice to have a four-year player play all SEC teams during his time in college versus once every 13 years. But until then, this week, the Citadel, you basically play your starters for a quarter or so, we'd say. Rest them for the toughest games of the year, SEC championship game, presumably the playoffs. Get your backups some reps, win, get everyone to locker room healthy. Now, they do run the option offense, though, so uh, I'm a little <laughs> concerned for uh, the uh, legs of our defensive linemen. Uh, looking into this game a little bit, and we won't harp on this too much, but Alabama is a 51.5-point favorite, which is surprising to nobody, but I did see <laughs> something that stood out in the gambling world, and this literally might be the most interesting thing this game has to offer. Per Sports Insights, which is part of the Action Network for sports gambling, mm-hmm. Alabama is a minus 999,999 favorite on the money line to beat the Citadel, which means if you want to bet on Alabama to just win the game outright, you have to put up $999,999 <laughs> to win $100. $100. God almighty. I'm surprised they even wasted their time putting a number on that. Uh, I would have never thought it was that high. Who's betting that? <laughs> I, I, somebody that just wants to say they did it. If you have the million to put up, I don't think you need the hundred. On the flip side of that, if you're interested in donating your money to a gambling site, the Citadel is a plus 200,000 underdog, which means if you place a $100 bet on the Citadel to beat Alabama, and by some act of God they do, you win two hundred grand. Yeah, I mean... You had a better chance to hit the lottery the other week. So. <laughs> you did. But, hey, props to Citadel's social media account, though, man. They've had some uh, pretty funny content embracing the game this week, beating Bama and all that. So uh, I want to give them a shout-out because I've enjoyed some of their videos and gifts they put out all week. No, I love it. A big thing for me in sports is, like, know who you are. Yeah. So, oh, speaking of that, did you – I'm going to go off the rails a little bit here. Did you see the Mike Leach press conference where he was asked which Pac-12 coach would win in a every-man-for-himself <laughs> brawl? Yeah. All right. All right. My first thought is Mario Cristobal, right? Yeah. Okay. Do you know how bad Mike Leach wanted to say Mike Leach? <laughs> well, I feel like Mike Leach in a fight is going to be like the alleyway fight scene of him. Anchorman, <laughs> like he's gonna try to have a hand grenade or throw in a trident. Like I don't know, Mike. Mike is out there, but he is. I thought Les Miles was gold. Mike Leach is so underappreciated for what he is. It's like he is the only living legend whose legend gets bigger every day. All right, so two two things. What happens if a reporter asks Nick Saban that same question about the SEC? Huh. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, like, what kind of reaction does he get? Not as fun as the one that Mike Leach gave. Oh, the better question is who's the one that has the balls to ask that question? <laughs> yeah. And number two is who wins that brawl amongst SEC coaches? Ooh. Mm. Like Nick Saban, a- Nick Saban has no chance, right? He's like 5'7", 140 I, I, pounds. I don't think Nick fights, period. I think he has somebody else do it. <laughs> okay, I got you. He like hires a team. 
Well, poor Butch Jones is going to get killed. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. You know, Dan Mullen's a Scientologist. Uh, Will Muschamp's kind of out there. So, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Who would you Will, go with? Will Muschamp might be a good one. I, I feel like he has, like, some anger issues. <laughs> some. <laughs> yeah. So, maybe that's a – I don't know. That's actually a tough question. It's definitely not uh, Ole Miss's coach. <laughs> no. He's, he's going to be out of breath in, like, the first 20 seconds. No, yeah, not at all. I don't know. I don't, I don't feel – I feel like there's not an obvious choice. The obvious choice in the Pac-12 was Mario Cristobal for me. I don't know that there is one in the SEC. No, not at all. You know, I did see somebody make a good case, too, for Kyle Whittingham out there yeah. uh, versus Mario Cristobal. So, uh, Gus, they made Gus, an interesting point. Gus Malzahn breaks his glasses in, like, the first 12 seconds for sure. Yeah. Unless that fight is at night in Jordan Hare on an odd-numbered year <laughs> – <laughs> Gus ain't winning. <laughs> All right, moving on. We're, go- we're going off track a little bit here. But, Brad, we are just a few games in, and it's kind of been a rocky start for Avery Johnson and the basketball program. I don't want to overreact here because I know how early it is, but I'm, I'm going to. Uh, okay. After watching them on Thursday, I'm concerned. They <laughs> went into South Carolina for the first round of the Charleston Classic and lose to Northeastern by 16 in a game that Northeastern controlled really from the tip. Uh, they jumped out to an 8-0 lead in the first few minutes of the game. There wasn't a moment after that where I felt like Alabama was going to make a run and come back to win. And, and I, feel like, I feel like I should say Northeastern is very good. They're the favorite to win their conference and make the tournament. They're a top 25 team in the mid-major rankings. They returned 90% of their production from last season, which was a team that only lost 10 games. They've already went on the road and beat Harvard by double digits. This is not a team to scoff at. Mm-hmm. Here are a few of my concerns after watching the first few games. First, it seems like the two leaders right now might be John Petty and Kyra Lewis. Kyra Lewis is 17 years old. (laughs) He graduated high school a year early. He's the second youngest player in college basketball by six days. This should be his senior year in high school. So why, and maybe you can answer this for me, why on a team that had nearly every player returning from last season is Kyra Lewis possibly their go-to player just three games into his college career? At 17, (laughs) <laughs> because Anthony Grant's revenge is hitting us. I don't know. <laughs> it, it already seems like there may be moments during the season where they'll have to look to Kyra Lewis to put the team on his back for offensive production. John Petty's clearly a little more comfortable this season. He looks more consistent. He looks more dependable. But if the second most dependable player on your roster is 17, that concerns me when they play experienced teams with guys that are 21, 22 years old. Uh, yeah. yeah, I would have put Dante Hall in that group of dependable guys before Thursday, but a less athletic, smaller group of guys, they made him irrelevant in a game that he really should have dominated. Yeah, it's going to be another long season, I have a feeling. It is a long winter awaits. My next concern is the defensive effort. Defense hasn't really been something that's worried me since Mark Gottfried was in Tuscaloosa. Like, through the Anthony Grant era and so far through Avery Johnson's, Alabama has really, at the very least, played fairly well on the defensive end. But Mm. against App State and then on Thursday against Northeastern, I saw a few small things I'm going to point out that haven't really been the norm over the past few years. First of all, Northeastern's ball movement just totally deflated Alabama. They moved the ball around until there wasn't a defender within 10 feet of a shooter. And once Alabama kind of realized their half-court defense wasn't going to work down the stretch, they tried to switch into a full-court press, and it really got worse. Not one time did the press produce anything positive whatsoever. Northeastern stayed calm. They didn't turn the ball over. They basically did layup drills once they broke the press. And that's kind of the first time during Avery Johnson's tenure where I can remember a press not providing any kind of spark. 
and kind of lastly, as it relates to the defense, the very few instances where Northeastern tried to make something happen off the dribble, they were getting the defender on their hip and getting they were getting some space to make a play, which is probably the worst part of it all because the gap in athleticism was there. So there's really no excuse for any of those guys to get anything off the dribble. My last concern, and I'll try to wrap it up, Tevin Mack. Tevin was the leading scorer at Texas his sophomore season. He averaged nearly 15 points per game. He transfers to Alabama, and and even Avery Johnson said back in May that he was the best player during a lot of practices through the season. So I think a lot of people expected that same offensive production from him because we've seen him do it at a big-time program in Texas. But he just doesn't look comfortable right now. He doesn't look as confident as he did at Texas. And I don't expect that to be the case for an extended period of time, but it needs to click for him before conference play starts or this team (laughs) – They don't have a prayer. He only played 15 minutes on Thursday, and he's not going to get in a rhythm playing 15 minutes in a game. Uh, I think the best thing Avery Johnson can do is kind of throw him to the wolves at this point. It's obvious how much they need him to be the Texas version of Tevin Mack, and the only way to get that is to get him comfortable and kind of give him the green light. Get your rotation down, play him 30 minutes against some of the mid-majors, let him be what we already know he is because he's done it against top competition already in the Big 12. But Brad, I don't want to harp on just negative. There was some decent news with the basketball program this week. Avery Johnson and staff signed three top 100 players, Jawan Gary, Jalen Forbes, Jaden Shackelford. They have a top 15 class in the country right now. We'll definitely update everyone during the regular signing period in April. The main target, as a lot of you know, is five-star Trendon Watford. He, he plans on signing in the spring. If they can pull that off, you can see Alabama basketball with the top 10 class. So definitely something to keep an eye on. And speaking of signing day, Brad, let's kind of switch gears here to Brad Bohannon and the Alabama baseball program. They got some pretty significant news this week. Okay, what happened? Top 10 recruiting class in the country, according to Baseball America. Tenth in the nation, though, is good enough for sixth in the conference. How crazy is it that our baseball team, (laughs) our baseball team, almost outranked our football team's class in the spring? That is absurd, but that is a testament to Coach Bo. Mm-hmm. Um, 14 signees. We did talk to our pal Roger Myers, who's an insider for Roll Bama Roll in the baseball program. He says if Alabama can get 10 of these guys on campus, that's a win for Coach Bo and the program. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's a good problem to have when you're trying to build something in a baseball pro- program in Tuscaloosa um, because it tells you, you know, the type of talent that you're bringing on to campus, you know, to recruit and, you know, trying to keep a grip on which it seems like there's one or two that it's going to go high and possibly even a top uh, pick in the MLB draft here soon. Yeah, as we as we all know, kind of the signing classes for college baseball, they can be tricky because of the draft. Uh, a lot of high school prospects get drafted. They choose to forego college and go ahead and, and play in the minors. So managing the signees, I guess, after the draft is going to be a big story for Alabama's program. So that's something to look forward to as it pertains to coach Bo and the the baseball program Um, no yeah that's awesome man I mean it's it's truly remarkable to be able to witness a Brad do something good in the in the world so um he's just setting the standard too high for me but anyways yeah that's a it's great and I'm gonna enjoy him while we can at this rate the way he's going so two of their top signees shortstop CJ Abrams he's the sixth ranked player in the country Miles Austin another infielder uh, top 20 player in the country Highly doubt either of those two actually make it to campus, but weirder things have happened. Uh, If you want a better breakdown on the entire class from top to bottom, there's another Wilson brother, John Parker Wilson, Ross Wilson. There's a third one. Uh, Good Lord. 
Yeah. You got the Southern Plumleys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want a better breakdown on the entire class, go to RollBamRoll.com. Roger Myers has a full article on the entire class that's really good. Go ahead and give that a click. Read that and get, give Roger a comment at the bottom and let him know that we all appreciate him. All right. Well, yeah, you guys, be, uh, be sure to check out Roger's article. Roger is on the board within the baseball program, so... Uh, there's not much of a better guy in this world period, but when it comes to Alabama baseball, even Coach Bo turns to Roger at times. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been the Roll Bama Roll Podcast. Roll Todd.